with another installment of Dose of Dog presented by Embark here in Eau Claire. Check them out on all of the socials for details on what is going on. Doggy daycare, of course, lots of dog classes too. And, and as we've said before, Heather across the way, not just a, a lover of dogs, but a lover of, of all animals. So you're, you're taking care of a cat th- at the moment. I know you've had other animals uh, I have around. a new kitten. I have a feral kitten we adopted who's no longer feral. <laughs> There's there's been times where there's been rabbits around here, so <laughs> it's a it's a little bit of everything at at Ambar, but the focus of course is on dogs. Mm-hmm. And Heather, your expertise is in uh, doggy psychology, if you will. <laughs> but one of the things sometimes you don't want to sometimes you got to see the trees before you go right into the forest. We talk about mm. some of these issues or things to keep an eye on. But what are some of the signs your dog's behavior or health does need attention? Kind of one of the more yeah. basic principles of everything. And I know that's what you want to talk about today. Yeah, it, it, you know, this kind of, well, I mean, this is something I always think about. But uh, this was kind of prompted by, I don't know, it seems like this month so far. So we're we're doing this in October, and it seems like, the end of September, beginning of October, my case, my current caseload for behavior cases has involved a lot of kids um, and dogs with some underlying medical issues. And so that kind of prompted me to think, gosh, I wonder if people sometimes realize that a lot of behavior problems are tied to physically might what might be going on with their dog. And I think sometimes we don't think about that because we think... We often think that behavior is separate from the animal. Like the animal is doing a behavior because, you know, they're they're being a jerk or they're being, um, you know, stubborn or they're being some kind of label that we have put upon them. And so I think it's important to look at behavior issues and just look at your dog in general and think to yourself, gosh, when when would I need help? Like at what point do I intervene? The other thing that kind of prompted this was... Um, there was just a big conference called the Aggression and Dogs Conference, and and a lot of awesome stuff came out of that, as of course, because all of the speakers were amazing. Um, but one of the the little, I guess I don't know if it was a meme, but um, a little quote, I guess I would say that came out of that was um, Dr. Tim Lewis, who is a um, has a PhD in biology and and has written a book called the aggression, the biology of aggression. Um, pick that up if you have not. Um, utterly fascinating. Tim is actually local. He teaches at St. Cloud. Um, him and his wife have border collies, and um, they both do amazing things. Um, Tim is the the one that speaks at a lot of these big conferences because his expertise is aggression and the biological component of aggression. So um, there was a quote that came out of it that said, the dog bite that occurred today started last night. And, oh, man, that's so true. I mean, that sits in my heart. <laughs> And oftentimes, I guess I will say the dog bite today probably started perhaps last month, perhaps last year. Um, And I think it's really important as guardians to recognize some of the things that maybe your dog is doing that, that, that signal that intervention is needed. And whether that is intervention from you, whether that is veterinary medical intervention, whether that is someone like myself, a behavior consultant, um, what are some signs that, that your dog might need help? And I think, you know, the best way to become uh, uh, an expert, I guess, in your dog's behavior 
are purely observations. You don't need to have, you know, credentials and, you know, qualifications in continuing education like someone in like what I do. Um, You know your dog well, like you live with them every single day. And I think your information that you have collected on your own dog is so valid. Um, And so I think today talking about when do you need to seek help? Like at what point do you see behaviors that are concerning that you think, oh gosh, I need some help. And my goal in doing this is that we can set some interventions earlier before a bite happens, before, you know, the dog goes after the cat, before the dog, you know, bites the two-year-old. So, um, so my hope in, in, this podcast, I guess, is kind of looking at what are some early interventions we can actually take so that we can prevent things. I mean, that's what dog training is, right? That's what like a lot of our, I mean, my whole puppy class is kind of on preventatives of how can we set this dog up to succeed later in life. So, so I think, you know, the first piece to kind of consider is that your observations, everyone that is listening out there are very valid. And, and the data that you keep on your own dog and their movements, their behaviors are so important when you meet with someone that is maybe your veterinarian, maybe you're meeting with a veterinary behaviorist, maybe you're meeting with a certified applied animal behaviorist, maybe you're meeting with a um, certified behavior consultant like myself, maybe you're meeting with your dog trainer. All of those, all of those all of us, I guess, that are in this field, we want that information. Like we want observations. And even if you think, you know, I've had a lot of people say, well, gosh, Heather, this is weird, but I noticed this. Man, those are the things I want to know. I want to know all of the things that you think are off that that you has have observed over the last month. So let's kind of dive into what that might look like. You know, usually we know we need to intervene when we see changes kind of in three, I guess I would say three areas. So physiologic changes, what might that be? That might be, you know, their toileting habits have changed. Um, they seem hungrier or less hungry. They don't want to go outside at night. They have stumbled, you know, um, they, they only drink water at a certain time. They're no longer interested in a certain treat. They don't want to jump on the couch. Anything that you feel changes that you see in their body, essentially, um, you know, and, and gosh, there are, Lots and lots and lots of evidence that suggests that pain in your dog, physiologic pain, signs of discomfort. Um, I mean, my gosh, we could list like millions of ways that we can be painful, right? It could be dermatological pain. It could be orthopedic pain. It could be gastrointestinal pain. Um, Any kind of discomfort in that way we know contributes to behavior issues, Um there was a quote out of behavior vets in New York city. And I, I should have looked this up, but it was something like 65%, 70% of people seeking out veterinary behavior help have some kind of underlying pain. And I think we forget that with our dogs. We forget that, you know, they're these stoic little, little dump trucks that can kind of get through the day and put trudge through anything. But you know, they're a living being creature. They have pain just as much as we do. And I don't know about y'all, but you know, when I have a day where I have a headache and my allergies are really bad and I haven't slept and I need more coffee, like I'm not my best person. <laughs> and so um, I think we need to give our dogs credit. And, and rather than saying, oh, they're being a jerk, we could say, well, what's going on? You know, they've had really loose stool for two days. You know, what's that about? 
So physiologic pain, um, changes in anything, you know, changes in any kind of behavior that you notice. And, and this is valid. Like, don't discount your observations. I think a lot of people will say, well, you know, I noticed this, but it's not a big deal. You know your dog best. You know the routine. You know the daily habits that they have. Changes in those things are well worthy of documenting. You know, whether you keep it in your head, whether you write it down, you know, those of us that do this for a living and work with behavior, we love information and data. So changes that you have observed are very valid. So, so don't ever say, gosh, this is weird, but I noticed this, that those are your observations. Those are, those are real. Um, you know, a lot of people that, that I see will have things that they'll say, gosh, my gut just says the dog is uncomfortable when they do this. And again, you know your dog best, you know their routine, you know their quirks, you know when they're not doing their quirks. So those things are all very valid. So, um, you know, physiologic changes, yes, absolutely. And we're going to talk about, um, you know, veterinary interventions as well, because that is a huge piece of what what I do, what we do in this field. Um, You know, behavior changes. I mean, that's usually why people will seek out, you know, a behavior consultant or a veterinary behaviorist or a certified plant animal behaviorist. Um, are changes in behavior. So that might be things like, um, gosh, they growled at my cousin, you know, who is five, perhaps. Um, You know, my um, neighbor came over and the dog shied away from him petting her. Um, You know, the, my aunt brought her child over, you know, your niece over and um, the dog maybe growled at the two-year-old. Um, those are all really good observations. I mean, observations with management, of course, if there is some kind of growling, like safety is of utmost importance. So I want to stress that because that's, that's obviously, um, the preventative end is, is one huge piece of behavior work. So any kind of changes like that, like they're, they just have different emotions around things that they didn't have before. And I can tell you coming from the behavior consultant side, and I suspect everyone in this field would agree with me, that the minute you see that change, so the first day your dog growls at a toddler, I want your hackles to go up and think, oh my gosh, what what's going on? Why is this different? And you know, it could just be an off day. Again, your dog could be having dermatological pain or their allergies have flared up or um, you know, they, they hit their head going out off the deck yesterday or something, you know, it could be a one-off perhaps, but I want you to keep that in your head because the next time they do it, if you see patterns in a behavior, that is cause for concern. And a lot of people, especially with growling, you know, growling is a good thing. I know I've talked about that on this podcast as well. Growling is good. Growling is good information. I mean, we, we want we don't want to hear your dog growl. I guess that's not the way that I should phrase that. But we we want them to give us that information. They're telling us they're uncomfortable. And so growling is good. And we always say, you know, there's the adage in dog training, um, never punish a growl because it's like taking the batteries out of a smoke detector. Like you need to know that there is something internally happening. So so growling is a good thing. And And again, I want your you know, ears to go up and think, oh gosh, okay, what's happening here is, you know, maybe this child wearing a big hat and the dog's never seen a hat. Um, or perhaps you could say to yourself, gosh, just the third time my dog's growled at a child. And man, let me tell you at that moment, that is where you need intervention. If you're seeing fear signs in your dog and they're growling at a person for whatever reason, 
we that's where we want to see you so I, I i can't tell you how often we get phone calls of urgency of you know my dog just bit my niece again for the third time um you know when we go back and we look at a history with that particular animal we find that this growling started a year ago. So, and the dog was put in the face of that child maybe several, several times. And the growling just mounted to a bite. Now, maybe the hope is that it's like a level one or level two bite. If we we look at, you know, when we look at bites, we classify them on a bite scale. Um, and so there wasn't damage done, but the potential is always there. And so, so I want to know the minute you see this behavior in a little bit of a pattern. So maybe there's a growl one time and you can say, gosh, that's interesting. Um, you know, what, what could be happening? And then maybe the next time you add some management in place so that if the dog is uncomfortable, you have kind of helped to mitigate that scenario and maybe the dog still growls. At that moment, that's where we want to see you. That's where you're going to go back to your vet. That's where you're going to call someone who works with behavior. Um, that's where you're going to add some intervention in because that dog is telling you they're uncomfortable and the more we push them, the more likely there is to be damage. And we don't want that to happen to anyone. And clearly, you know, if we look at the mental health of your dog, they're uncomfortable. Like they're giving you information that they're uncomfortable. So of course we want to help them. And I think oftentimes we wait until there's a bite. So we wait until the dog has some kind of significant event in which someone was injured and whether it is a bite that didn't require medical intervention or it is a bite that did require medical intervention. Um, that's maybe when we say, Oh my gosh, now they need help. And unfortunately, a lot of the times by that point, your dog has a history of growling and there's a purpose behind growling. There's a purpose behind a lot of behaviors that dogs do as a distancing behavior where they're trying to tell someone to back away because they're uncomfortable. There's a lot of pre cues that come before, a growl before a bite before a stiff body like there's so many body language cues um to read and you can go back and listen to the body language episode which is oh gosh that is well early <laughs> in the podcast so all of those pieces are just so important to keep in your head and i think a lot of the times we wait until we have a, a big significant bite um and whether that is you know to a human to a child to a cat to a grandmother um and it doesn't even have to be bites i mean i'm talking about bites because those are you know, obviously very concerning and emotional and very difficult, you know, situations for families. Um, but, you know, another behavior that would be concerning is the first time your dog perseverates on a vehicle going by. You're walking them and they want to chase a car. You know, if you see that pattern and you see it three times, that needs intervention. Because, man, if that dog ever got off a leash, that could be really detrimental to them. Um, and so any behavior that you see that you think, gosh, that's concerning, it's so much easier to help that dog over that behavior issue when they don't have a history of doing it for four years or a year or seven years. And so, so immediately um, when you see some of these things that are concerning that your gut goes, gosh, that's interesting. Um, immediately I'd seek help for that. And, and whether it is seeking valid information online, finding a credentialed, and remember that is important, um, someone who, who is credentialed and has the um, education in doing behavior. And again, my like go-tos are always a veterinary behaviorist first, um, certified applied animal behaviorist, um, second, um, and then a, beha a certified behavior consultant 
um, third. If you don't have those people in the area, there's a lot of dog trainers, certified dog trainers that are pretty good at behavior work too. Um, but I, I want you to kind of think in your head, gosh, okay, I should probably start seeking out help. Um, because behaviors don't go away. I mean, we've talked a lot about the teenage brain on this podcast and how, holy cow, does that teenage brain ping pong a lot around quite a bit. But behavior issues that you're seeing and you've already seen a little tiny pattern, those aren't going to go away without intervention. Now, maturity can help a lot of things. You know, your dog maturing. Remember that teenage dogs are anywhere between like five to six months of age to like two, two and a half. Um, I say three for the big dogs, honestly. <laughs> They're a little slower to mature. Uh, but maturity can help solve a lot. But if you see a behavior issue that the dog has an emotional response to, those things don't change without intervention. And so um, seeking out help in that moment is going to be so important. So any changes in behavior that you see, um, immediately think to yourself, gosh, okay, let's keep a little bit of data. Let's keep some really good observations so that I can I can relay them to someone so that they will um, have a good understanding of the patterns that I've seen and the behavior that I see in this certain context. Okay, and I think a lot of the times with behavior issues, we we label them, we say our dog's being stubborn or they're being this or they're being that, but behaviors happen for a reason. You know, animals, creatures just don't just do them. They happen for a reason and we have to listen to that. Um, so I think that is a big piece and and us humans are pretty good at, at looking at behaviors and, and knowing when things change. And then signs of discomfort and pain. Um, and let me tell you, pain and discomfort manifest, manifest in a whole bunch of different ways in our dogs. So easy things that I want everyone to just kind of watch in their dogs, and especially as they, excuse me, as they age. As they age, and remember, we live in an endemic area for tick-borne disease too, and that can cause a whole lot of issues with just physical pain that manifests into behavior issues. So what would signs of discomfort look like? We know the obvious ones, right? Everyone we know, limping, you know, lameness, um, inability to bear weight on a left or a right or a front, not wanting to go up the stairs, not jumping in the car, not jumping on the bed, not jumping on the couch, gingerly getting up from a down, not wanting to lay in a certain spot. Um, all those habitual behaviors that your dogs have and now they don't do them, those are really important to watch for. One of the things I always ask people is, um, you know, you watch your dog in the morning and they probably get up and they do a stretch. And of course, we all say, oh, good big stretch because, you know, you have to say that. <laughs> um, what if they don't do that? Do you not see them doing that in the morning? Um, you know, where they wake up and they do a big stretch. Maybe they do like a half stretch. Okay, that's information. They always did a big stretch. Why are they not doing a big stretch anymore? Um, and I think that's something we don't see until they lose it, and then it comes back again. And we think, oh, gosh, they haven't done that in a long time. Well, that's interesting. Um, so that's a behavior to watch for. Um, maybe they always wanted to lay on their back with a toy, and they don't do that anymore. Maybe when they go outside, they always want to chase squirrels, and they jump off the deck, and they, they take a very acute turn to the right. Maybe now what they do is they jump out the deck and they take a really wide berth to the right. That is information. You might not know what it means, but let me tell you, when you go see your veterinarian, they want to know that. They want to know um, all of these little pieces that you have seen in their behavior. Um, they might refuse treats. They might not. Oh, gosh, I can tell you five billion case studies <laughs> out of my history. Um, they don't, may not want to drink their water and put their head that far down into a bowl because their neck hurts. Um, they may not want to 
you know, um, walk on certain surfaces. Like maybe they want to prefer walking on the grass than the pavement. I mean, all of those little pieces that you may just think to yourself, I don't know, that's weird. Those are all good pieces to collect. All of those little little pieces of information are, are so in, so important when you go seek out a professional. Um, and so si- any signs of discomfort that you see. And again, we, we talk, you know, it's, it's pretty easy to see physical pain when the dog's in physical pain. They're not, you know, they're lame on a front le- left leg. Or when they sit, they shift their weight around a little bit when they sit. They shift their weight when they get up. And obviously, normal the process of normal aging is something that will we will see pain issues. But even that's important. Um, you know, if you have a senior dog and you're seeing those changes, a pain conversation with your veterinarian is going to be so crucial because if they if they're having some arthritis and it's not being managed and their pain isn't being managed, you can see a lot of those things act out or a lot of those dogs act out in behaviors that you might not see. Um, even things like your dog is, is they never really wanted to lay in the sun before. Now they're laying in the sun. Or, um, you know, they lay in a different spot of the house. I mean, there are so many health issues that can manifest into behavior issues. Thyroid issues. I mean, my gosh, do we see a lot of behavior issues with dogs with low thyroid. Um, kidney issues, liver issues. And so all of those those observations are really important. And what are you going to do with these observations? Well, if you go see anyone who specializes in behavior, um, one of the very first things and the very first conversation that you're going to have is about a health history. So, and more often than not, if some of these things come up in conversation, anyone is, who is qualified to do behavior work is taking a good health history. And let me tell you, if you go see someone about a behavior issue in your dog, and they do not talk about health history, you should run elsewhere (laughs) because everything is tied together. And so a really good health history, and I'm talking about changes in health, changes in gut health, changes in gait, observing the dog move around if they're, if they're qualified to do that. How is the dog moving? Um, Those are all just so important. I mean, those are pieces that I always lie back on. I want to see that dog move around. I want to see them get up from a sit, get up from a down. I want to see if they're propelling from the rear. I want to see if they're short strided in their front um, when they're moving. I want to see if they have lateral flexion in their spine. Like I want to see all those things because those are little red flags that that I can write down and then send to their veterinarian if I need to. Um, So all of those things are important. So if you're seeking out behavior issues, behavior help, if someone isn't taking a health history, absolutely run because that is a huge part of what we do. Um, and obviously we as behavior consultants, and I say behavior consultants, aren't certified, aren't veterinarians. So our job is to get, is to take that information, highlight it, send it to the veterinarian, or prepare you to go back to your veterinarian to take a look into a lot of those issues. Um, and let me tell you, there are a lot of dogs I send back to the vet, a lot of dogs that I send back to the vet for pain, um, for, um, you know, some kind of changes in health that the person has seen. Those are just all so crucial, um, to your dog. And, and once we put together a behavior plan, we're not going to make a lot of changes if we are not addressing underlying pain, underlying orthopedic pain, underlying gut pain, underlying dermatological pain, um, you know, changing their environment to maybe make them more comfortable. And so 
so those underlying pieces of, you know, physiologic pain or discomfort are going to be so important to address um, when we're putting together a behavior plan. So it's so <coughs> important to take those observations and go back to your veterinarian. Um, I, I was listening to, oh, you know, everyone, social media. <laughs> um, I don't know, on my Instagram feed, it popped up this podcast with a dog trainer. And the... And it was a video. So it was a video of the podcast. And the, the host said, um, what's the, when you have a dog who is reactive, what's the very first thing you do? And I know in my head, I'm like, oh, my God. Okay, health history. When did it start? How did it start? Like, what are you seeing? And she said, the very first question I ask is, does that dog sleep in your bed with you? Oh, my God. I'm sorry. That's not the right question. <laughs> because that has nothing to do with it. You're not looking at when is this change? What is the behavior like? What is the purpose of the behavior? What health changes have you seen? Did this just start? Did it start as a puppy? What happened? What's its history? There's 500 questions to ask before before you would ever even look at that. I mean, that to me is unethical to just dismiss the fact the dog could have some kind of underlying something. <laughs> and that's our job. That's our job. I mean, our job as a behavior consultant, I think, is to dig and and you know, find out some of the root causes so that we can send them back to their doctor um, to make sure that there isn't a piece of this behavior that isn't contributing to the reactions in this dog. So um, I, I I tell you, I <laughs> social media, I don't know, um, not a good place to get dog training information. Um, and this is a huge, they have a huge following. And I think, oh my gosh, you are missing an entire part of that dog's health. Um, and that is ethically, I think, part of our job. Um, and so um, I think that's super important. And again, I so then, of course, I dug a little into this person without any credentials, just, you know, has owned dogs her whole life, um, which I think doesn't qualify you. I mean, it qualifies you in the way that you can probably read dogs really well. But, oh, my gosh, health is such a huge part of behavior. It is all tied together. So it's so important that we address that piece of it. So I guess... What I'd like everyone to kind of get out of this is I want you to be good observers of your dog's behavior. Um, keep a little bit of data so that you can you can come back to the veterinarian if you need to look at um, some of the health changes. And that's just really good, important information to keep. Um, so if you see those changes, you can kind of report back because your your dog's doctor is going to want to know those changes and, and what has happened Um when did it happen? When did you start seeing these things? Um, so I really want you to be good observers. The second piece is intervene earlier than you probably think. Um, you know, intervene earlier than you probably think. So you're seeing that the dog has growled at a child for the third time. That should be kind of an acute piece for you to go, okay, I, I don't like this is where this is headed. And maybe it is an acute onset of some kind of health issue that your dog needs addressed and then that might solve it. Maybe they're going to need help learning that children aren't terrifying. Um, but I think the minute you start seeing some of these behaviors um, is really important. Um, and the other piece to that is any acute behavior change. So any acute behavior change where all of a sudden in the last week your dog has begun doing X, Y, or Z. That any acute behavior change that I see in a dog, I immediately send them back to their vet. Immediately. So 
you know, behavior change usually happens over time and acute changes in behaviors usually will signal some kind of physiologic change. Um, and your veterinarian is the only one to really deal with, is the only qualified individual to deal with those issues. And so if you see an acute behavior change, that is a big red flag for you to say, okay, let's do a full workup at the veterinarian. Let's make sure that there's nothing going on. Because again, if there is something going on, we're not going to address that behaviorally until we have helped the dog feel better. We all know that, right? Um, you don't feel great when you have a headache every day. You don't feel great when your hip bothers you. So... Um, resolving those issues is going to help your dog just feel better, which we're going to get better outcomes in behavior modification once you have that. So um, that should be your little red flag. So take some good observations. Um, take them to your veterinarian. Again, all of your observations are very valid. Um, and hopefully that will help you if you if you have, um, you're seeing behaviors in your dogs that you think need help. That is always the best case scenario.